Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today for you, we will unlock the book, The Picture of Dorian Gray. The book was the only full-length novel written by Oscar Wilde, the Irish dramatist and writer who settled in Britain. Oscar Wilde was born in Dublin, Ireland, into a prestigious family. His father was a surgeon and his mother a poet and writer. Wilde was renowned for his flamboyant dressing style and his words of wit. He lived by his own rules and adopted a fearless lifestyle, restlessly moving between scandalous homosexual lovers and his respected family. Finally, due to his refusal to disavow his homosexuality, he ended up in jail. A pioneering voice in the field of aestheticism, at the close of the 19th century, Wilde was England's most maverick genius. Oscar Wilde flourished in a British society that was governed by strict proprieties, moral and ethical codes. Everything that anyone said and did was subject to harsh restrictions. Art and literature were subject to even greater scrutiny. Slight deviations from the norms were deemed perverse, unorthodox and unacceptable. At the time, society's prevailing view was that the value of literature and the arts lay entirely in their ability to affect people's values through their thoughts and emotions. Consequently, art would influence people's behavior. Fundamentally, literature and the arts were a tool for moral instruction. As such, the arts were deemed to command great educational utility. Wilde felt deep resentment towards this artistic ethos. He felt that this type of artwork crushed the artist's imagination and destroyed the pure beauty of art, it violated art's essence. The picture of Dorian Gray is precisely a retaliation against such a utilitarian view of art. The novel tells the story of an aristocratic youth Dorian Gray, who is handsome in his appearance and pure at heart. But, under the seduction of a hedonist, Lord Henry Wotton, he makes a pact, trading his portrait image for his soul in exchange for eternal youth. Blessed with youth without consequence, Dorian Gray descends into an abyss of sin and evil. On account of its evocation of moral issues, the novel's publication stirred much controversy in Britain. Wilde himself was ambivalent. He never explicitly stated his own position. However, the British literary establishment dubbed the novel a tale spawned from the leprous literature of the French decadence, a poisonous book, the atmosphere of which is heavy with the mephitic odors of moral and spiritual putrefaction, a gloating study of the mental and physical corruption of a fresh, fair and golden youth. Thereafter, Wilde's novel was forever regarded as proof of his desire to attack and damage social mores. In the novel's preface, Wilde offered a retort to public censure. He wrote, There is no such thing as a moral or a moral book. Books are well written or badly written. That is all. So, what sort of story lies within the pages of this book? Why did it provoke such fiery debate? We will now interpret this book for you in the following three parts. In part one, we will summarize the novel's plot. In part two, we will provide an in depth analysis of the novel's key characters. In part 3, we will interpret Wilde's perspectives on art as it is embodied in the novel. Part 1 Plot Summary The cloying perfume of roses pervades the art studio, augmented by the scent of lilacs creeping in through the open windows. Lord Henry Wotton rests, luxuriant on the soft divan. Admiring a portrait, he languidly pronounces, It's your best work, Basil, the best thing you have ever done. He is addressing his painter friend, Basil Hallward. The portrait is of a young man by the name of Dorian Gray. 
With his strikingly handsome looks, he resembles a beautiful Narcissus. Basil had met Dorian two weeks earlier at a crowded party, and he was deeply struck by the youth's beauty. Thereafter, they met every day. In Basil's own words, Dorian is the very essence of art and beauty. He inspires Basil to create an entirely new manner of art. Basil's infatuation with Dorian stirs Lord Henry's interest. However, believing Dorian's nature is pure and unaffected, Basil does not wish to introduce Dorian to Lord Henry. Basil considers Dorian to be as untarnished as a blank piece of paper. Lord Henry, on the other hand, is a corrupting influence on those around him. Basil and Lord Henry are in the garden discussing Dorian when the butler announces that Dorian is waiting in the studio. Realizing it is impossible to prevent the two from meeting, Basil pleads with Lord Henry to leave Dorian alone, not to steal away the perfectly aesthetic life he leads. Lord Henry says nothing, he merely smiles vaguely. The two enter and find Dorian sitting by the piano. Basil prepares to start his portrait. Dorian poses while he chats with Lord Henry. Lord Henry quickly captures Dorian's interest. Henry's disposition is vastly different from that of Basil. During a break in the sitting, Dorian and Lord Henry go out into the garden together. Lord Henry recommends to Dorian that he cherish his good looks. He emphasizes that beauty is a gift, and warns Dorian that with age, his beauty will fade. Henry suggests that perhaps Dorian will only realize his beauty's worth when he has lost it, when he becomes old and ugly, with jaundiced skin and dull eyes. At that moment, Basil calls them back in to continue his painting. Dorian resumes the previous pose, and within a quarter of an hour, the portrait is finished. The finished painting is indeed a stunning portrait. As if gaining full awareness of his personal beauty for the first time, Dorian restlessly paces up and down in front of the painting. When he first heard Basil's praises previously, he had regarded them merely as exaggerated compliments, born of friendship. He had never taken them to heart. Now, however, Lord Henry's words of warning concerning the corrosive effects of time arouse a sense of unrest within Dorian's heart. The prospect of aging, of eventually ending old and withered, brings a wave of sadness. Dorian grows jealous of his portrait, eternal and immune to change. Dorian immediately feels a sharp stab of pain in his heart as he starts to think of how his beauty will disappear, how the blush of his lips will dull, how his golden hair will turn gray, and his pretty face will be covered with wrinkles. Unthinking, he begins to talk to himself. He says that if his portrait could grow old on his behalf, he will be willing to forego all, even his mortal soul. Seeing that the portrait is causing Dorian distress, Basil declares that he will destroy the painting immediately. However, Dorian stops him and says that he has fallen in love with it. Basil has no choice. He lets the matter rest, saying that he will send the painting to Dorian's house after he has had it framed. Dorian's unusual response makes Basil invites Dorian to stay for dinner. But Dorian says he will be attending the theater with Lord Henry. Then Basil realizes Dorian is already ensnared in Lord Henry's influence. He tries to persuade Dorian to stay, but when the two men leave together, Basil collapses on his divan overcome with misery. At noon the following day, Lord Henry visits his uncle and tries to find out more about Dorian's background. From his uncle, he discovers that Dorian's mother was a noble and extraordinarily beautiful lady. She had eloped with an unknown young man. After just a few months of marriage, this man perished in a duel. Subsequently, she herself died in childbirth as Dorian came into the world. 
Consequently, Dorian grew up in a loveless environment, abused by his grandfather, lonely and alone. Dorian was like the delicate flower that blooms proudly in the harshest of climates. In Lord Henry's view, despite being born of transitory love and death, this son turned out to be gentle and refined, youthful and pure, as well as, physically, a delight to the eye. To Lord Henry, Dorian was an ideal, a blank canvas, upon which he could project any image that he desired. A month passes. One day Dorian tells Lord Henry that he has fallen in love with an actress called Sybil Vane. Sybil is young, barely seventeen years of age and Dorian is captivated by her. He cannot forget her. Her eyes are dewy violet, her lips as vibrant as rose petals, her braided hair the deepest brown, and her voice sweet and melodious. Practically every day for a month, Dorian goes to watch Sybil perform in Shakespeare's plays. He gazes as she sucks poison from the lips of her lover, and herself expires in a dark tomb. Dorian watches as she dresses up as a handsome young lad in tight shorts and a singlet and strolls through the woods, and he witnesses her state of utter innocence and purity, as the black hands of jealousy snap her slender neck. Offstage, Sybil is, in fact, a soft-spoken and gentle girl. She refers to Dorian as Prince Charming. Very soon, the two fall deeply in love and promptly they are engaged. While Sybil is joyous, basking in the glow of her love, her brother is fraught with concern. He cannot help worrying that Dorian, her wealthy suitor has ill intentions. However, as he is soon due to leave London on board a ship, there is little he can do to protect her. The best he can offer is to inform his family that should Dorian let his sister down, he will undoubtedly hunt him down and kill him. At this point in the novel, Dorian is set to introduce his friends, Basil and Lord Henry, to his fiancée. He invites them to watch Sybil perform. In the theater, he gushes over the brilliance of her performance. That night, the auditorium is crowded, its atmosphere oppressive, its chandelier like a gigantic dahlia, and the throng of the audience raucous and noisy. After a quarter of an hour, Sybil comes on stage. The audience responds immediately with extraordinary loud cheers. It seems the entire audience loves this bashful beauty and lauds her with praise. Strangely, however, on this night, Sybil seems in low spirits, her performance hollow and exaggerated. Her acting is overly pretentious, and the emotions she expresses are ostensibly fake. Dorian becomes anxious. His face turns pale. His two friends naturally do not dare to comment. Though, in their hearts, they have decided that Sybil lacks any performing talent. The whole crowd in the theater are not happy. Still besotted, Dorian declares that nobody could possibly bear to harm Sybil. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.